was so excited to take it to the teacher. I handed it to her, and she was so surprised when she saw it. And I was elated. It's like, wow, I really did something great. I'm perfect. Like my dad had said, I'm perfect. And when the teacher picked herself up off the floor, and with incredible kindness, she said, Kent, kanji is not just sounds. Kanji has meaning too. Every kanji you've chosen is the wrong one. (laughs) They're beautiful, but they're the wrong ones for the assignment I gave you. So (laughs) she had to take a very long time to explain to me how kanji actually works. And so at that point, I was really, really intrigued about how the Chinese language was used. And so we don't have a lot of time, but I'm going to go through a whirlwind tour of the gospel through kanji. But kanji, the way that I'm going to use it, is just by parts. There are over 200 parts in kanji. Those parts are the denominations of every single kanji. You can put these together, pair them together, and they become words. Scribes in China and Japan have already done that for us, and they've created words based off of these parts. These parts are called radicals. Now, when I came to the church last Sunday, I saw a radical standing outside your church. Not a person with a banner jumping around, acting like a radical. What I saw was the cross. Now, the cross in English is just a cross. It's a horizontal bar and a vertical bar. That's why we call it a cross. It's perpendicularly crossing each other. But in Japanese, you call it jujika, ju. Ju is ten. Ten is a radical in Chinese. That radical actually means ten. But it also means complete. So when it is paired with another kanji, it has the meaning of complete. For example, we see this kanji in the the word for graduation. You've completed something. It's complete. You're complete. um, We have other radicals like you see water radicals. Anytime that that water radical is joined with another kanji, it's going to refer to water of some type, maybe a gas. Uh, maybe even uh, uh, some other kind of water material. but Or hand. You'll see the hand radical. That could be something that relates to maybe picking up something or carrying something or holding something. The radicals always retain their same uh, uh, meaning. They don't change. It's, I can't go and say the man radical is now a cat. I can't do that. It is always a man. Likewise with water, I can't go and say the water is now a a tree. So it always retains that value. So what we're going to do today is I'm going to show you through a, let's see here, is that showing up there? Okay. Um, My message today is finding rest from the passage of Matthew 11, 28. That 
specific part where Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, by parts, I'm going to take the kanji that are actually in that verse in the Japanese Bible. This does not exist in the Chinese Bible. It only exists in the Japanese Bible. I'm going to take it part by part and unpackage four kanji for you that are going to be the four points of my message today based on the verse from Matthew 11:28. In Japanese, um, you can see four kanji characters that are there. The first highlighted one is man or person. The second highlighted one that I have there is burden. The third one, now I'm taking huge license here because this kanji is not used in Japan anymore. It is used very little. You see it very, not very often in Japan. Um, it's not even used in China anymore. It, so, but this is an older version before the simplified version that we use today. Um, and then the, the, and that is the kanji for come. The last kanji is the kanji for rest. Each one of these kanji actually are made up of parts. And we're going to unpack these parts to actually see the actual meaning of the verse itself and how Jesus presents himself as an invitation to us with a promise. So we see in English, it says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. This first point, person, is um, it's who we are as people. When we're addressing people with, about the gospel, um, Paul makes mention of this in his writings. He says, um, But we preach Christ crucified to the Jew foolishness, to the Gentile, or to the Jew a stumbling block, to the Gentile foolishness. These two people have a different context from which they're hearing the gospel. So I want to take a look at this person as he relates, or as they relate within the gospel, within the Bible. So, for example, um, when God created the heavens and the earth, he created man. That's what we believe. We believe that he was created in the likeness of God. And after God had created everything, he stands back and takes a look at his creation, and he goes, wow, this is amazingly good. This is good. But every one of us here, we can recognize that, yeah, the creation around us is amazing. But somewhere, something went wrong. Something happened. Well, what actually happened? So, let's take a look. I'm going to take a look at a couple other kanji that back up and support who I believe man is currently today. The word deception. When we go and take a look at this word, it, it comes out of, uh, we hear the story of Adam and Eve in the garden. And they're placed there with two trees, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And in that garden, there was also a serpent. And that serpent is saying words to entice Eve to deceive her. So 
we can see in the kanji for this word, which is deception, you can see this word, this, this radical here is the radical for to say. This top one here is a part that means sweet or to tempt. And this part means tree. So Satan, or the serpent, is telling Eve a deception. He's saying, this tree that God has told you not to eat from, which is the knowledge of good and evil, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he's telling her this as a deception to say, sweet, tempt, and tree. <clears throat> Next, she's standing there, and, and she's thinking, okay, I would like to eat from this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Why? Because I will be like God. That's what Satan, or the serpent, is tempting her with, saying, if you eat from this tree, you're going to have knowledge like God has. But God had already issued a command to her, saying, do not eat of this tree. Why? Because the moment you eat of it, you shall surely die. So we see that she enters a delusion. She starts, she's standing in front of the tree, and she starts to enter a delusion. Death is hovering over her, just waiting to overcome her because she is believing a lie and believing that she's going to be like God. So this is how it's broken down. This top piece here, this part, means perish, to lose one's life. The second part over here is the woman. The woman is standing there <laughs> looking at this tree with death hanging over her. Here's the tree that she's looking at. This tree could represent, in our case here, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. She sees it with her eyes, and she sees how good it is, that it has. it is good to eat, and she desires it in her heart. That is delusion. We, when we accept delusion things that are against God's law, then we enter this kind of scenario. And you almost can feel yourself when you're looking at the kanji characters and you're just looking at this, you can feel yourself almost there with her in the garden and you say, please don't eat it. Don't eat it. Stop. Some people say that man is basically good. If they don't believe the argument that I just gave you, that man had uh, falterings in the garden, well, then maybe you can believe the scribes that wrote the kanjis themselves. The kanji for, that represents man's heart, what is in man's heart, the way we are, if we're basically good, then why is it that the we have malice, anger, rage, abominable, abom, abominations, and dis, we're deceptive and we're evil. Well, each one of these kanji characters actually has the part for heart in it. You can see this heart here. This is not referring to an animal heart in this case. We would all recognize that, yeah, it's probably written to reflect the heart of man. Man knows evil. And of course, in the kanjis, we do see there's the word for love. And what is in that word for love? We, we can recognize that the heart is actually in there as well. 
when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and sinned against God, they were aware of both good and bad, good and evil. So we can recognize love when it happens. We can recognize uh, grace. We can recognize mercy. But it's, it's harder for us to actually share that with people. It's easier for us to retaliate with these things. Those things come out of our heart more easily. So that is the man portion of this piece. Um, one other thing I'd like to share with you. When I was a kid, um, there was a tune in Japan that, was, uh, that I would often hear. That tune was, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And you would often hear it in maybe the uh, department stores. Um, but over time, um, I think the meaning of the song or, or the, the lyrics uh, disappeared and new lyrics were written, new titles were given to this melody. The Japanese actually wrote new songs for this melody. So what I'd like to do is restore that, the, the actual lyrics to that melody. It goes, What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. In, um, in that all our sins and griefs to bear portion, in Japanese, there's a word combination that is sumitonga. This is the toga part here. Tonga is, refers to sin and wrongdoing just by itself. And it rarely is represented by a kanji. But what is so surprising about this is this thing here. If man is basically good and, and we are only affected out by our, by our environment or by other people that make us evil, then why does, is this next kanji so damning, if I can use that word? This is the kanji that is used for the word tonga. Tonga means sin or wrongdoing. If I unpack this here in kind of an unconventional way, you'll see something very surprising. In the top right-hand corner of this kanji, you can it, recognizably you can see a person there. If I was to take that person out of there, would we be left with a kanji that is actually a real kanji? What would be left there? We actually see sin and wrongdoing is made up of each and every person. Every person is a wrongdoer. In the Bible, doesn't it say that? It says Romans 3.10. It says there is none righteous, not known, not one. It's very clear. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We've all gone our own way. And in fact, in Japanese, there is a phrase that is said, we all do what we want to do. And it, is, and it uses these two characters in describing that. Kakujin, kakuyo, right? That means we do our own thing the way we want to do it. But when we do that, we are sinning because we're not doing what God wants us to do, right? So from the beginning... It's not just the things that we commit on a daily basis. We are sinful right from the beginning. Original sin from Adam. Our, our parents, Adam and Eve, sinned against God. 
and all their progeny, which is all of us, we're one race, one people. We all have the sin nature inside us. That's why we do the things that we do, evil. But we do recognize love when it is uh, done for us, or we do that to others, but it takes an incredible amount of effort to overcome our sin nature to do so. So when Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Who is this person he is calling to? He's calling to people that feel that burden inside their heart that they recognize, hey, I'm a sinner. I've done something wrong. I've committed something against God that I need to make payment for. And we carry a burden. So my next kanji character will move on really quickly. I won't belabor this point here, but... We'll move on to the next kanji, is the kanji for burden. The kanji for burden is very interesting because we can recognize two basic parts in it if you take it apart traditionally, the way a Japanese person would take this kanji apart. The very top part here is the kanji character for grass. It it represents grass. That's the kanji for Grass meaning what, though? How can we tie that into the gospel? Well, it's when Adam and Eve were commanded by God not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what was the first thing that was going to happen to them? Their life was going to be shortened. They were going to die. If you eat from this fruit of this tree, you shall surely die. Well, in Psalms 103, Verse 15 and 16, what do we see? The days of man are like the grass. They're like the flower of the field that flourishes, and the wind comes by and blows on it, and it drifts away, and that place remembers it no more. It's referring to the length of man's life. This is not the way God made us. So it's, it, we can see in this kanji for burden that man's life is shortened. So we, are, we bear that burden. We go, okay, I don't have much time in my life yet to go, so I'm carrying a burden. How can I handle that kind of weight? I'm going to die. What do I do with my life? The very next kanji, though, is, is equally surprising. If that was the first thing that happens to man, what is the first thing God says to man after they sin and bear the burden? What is the first thing? Hi, Adam and Eve. Good to see you again this morning. No. What have you done? What have you done? What have you done? The kanji for bird-bearing burden is exactly what the question that God asks man as soon as he eats of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. What have you done? So we're not only carrying a burden that we're tormented with of, of the weight of knowing that we are dying. It's also the, the, the weight of the questions that we even ourselves ask ourselves. Why did I do that? Why did I speak so harshly? Why did I treat my neighbor so? <clears throat> Excuse me, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. <laughs> this is proof <laughs> that we are all from Adam. <laughs> Sorry for the <clears throat> emotionalism here. Oh, okay, yeah, because um, you were supposed to do that for me. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now I want to unpack the kanji 
for burden in an unconventional way that's not normally unpacked this way. But I think it'll be a surprise to you as to what happens here. If we put the kanji back together again and we take a look at it, and I take this person that is here and I remove him from the kanji, take that out of there, what is left? Is there a real kanji that is left after I take the person away? Yes, there is. It's the kanji for torment. And if you take a look at this, this person is so small in comparison to the rest of the kanji. You can almost see this person bent over like this, carrying the weight of the days of his life and the questions that he has to answer for all of his days. That is the burden man carries. Irregardless of whether you believe in the gospel or not, every person realizes that. They realize their days are short. And they also realize, what have I done with my life? And at the judgment seat of Christ, Christ is going to say, you know what? Your days were so short, and you could have done, all you had to do was just a little, what have you done? You will be asked that question, what have you done? That is the burden we carry. I want to move on here real quick again now to the, the word for come. Come again is not the come kanji that were, is used here in Japan, but it, ha, it was a kanji that was used by our ancestors, if you will. And this kanji really reflects an invitation along with a promise. And it's surprising. The promise is written in there, and you're going, what promise is this guy talking about? This guy's woohoo, cuckoo. In Japanese and Chinese characters, I've done a little bit of unconventional unpacking. Not the way it's supposed to be done in Japanese and Chinese. I grant you that. This is just to help paint a picture of, of God and man's relationship. But here... If I take a look at it, you might say there is a tree there, right? If, if, you're, if you're fluent enough in Japanese, you might recognize that there is a tree there. And, and yeah, there might be a tree there. But if it was a tree, kakijun, or the way that it is written, would be observed. And it is not in this case. Because guess what this is talking about? This is in defiance of yao yorozu no kami, the eight million gods in Japan. This is in defiance of that. Christ is not one of the eight million gods of Japan. He is the only God. <laughs> and guess what you do with this kanji when you write it? You write one, yuitsu, one first. You write one first. Then you write hitobito, for people. With the one God for people on the cross, put his one and only son. His son is a person. We write person here. If this was a tree, the kakijun would have to be one, two, three, four, and then you put the people on either side of it. It is reflecting a, the, the invitation from Christ to come to him. This represents every single man and woman in the world. Hitobito, people. But if we take a closer look at it, there's an astounding uh, conversation that goes on when Christ is at the cross. There are two thieves. 
crucified next to him. And those two people are hurling insults. And one of them wakes up to what they're doing and says, wait a second, we deserve this punishment, not this other person. He is perfect. Kent's not perfect. My dad lied. He's not perfect. (laughs) We're not perfect, but Christ is perfect. He was the perfect sacrifice for all mankind. And where does the promise come from? The promise is this, is that when the one thief on the on uh, whatever side it was <laughs> says, um, why are we hurling insults at him? And he says to Christ, he says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And the promise is this, today you will be with me in paradise. Isn't that amazing? What an amazing invitation for the word come. This is the word come in in this kanji. And it means an invitation to all mankind. Come to me. Come to me. And if you come to me, I promise you will be with me in paradise. I promise. I'm running out of time, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to unpack one more here. Um, and that is the word for rest. How, how do we find rest? We find rest by sitting under a tree, maybe. You know, like pretend this tree is in, in uh, Hawaii or Okinawa and it's hot outside and you come next to the tree and you have rest from the, the burning heat down on you. That makes sense to just about everybody. No one would have argument with that. But Adam and Eve had this same experience in the garden. They were able to have rest with the tree, uh, all the trees in the garden. But when they sinned against God, what, what happened? They were kicked out of the garden. And by the way, there's a phenomenal number of kanji that talk about this, the whole series of things that happened in Genesis 1 through 9. It's amazing how many kanji that actually tell that story when you can unpack it that way. But when man was kicked out of the garden, he could no longer go to the tree of life and rest there. So let's depict it this way. Let's have this tree of rest separate. The man is separated from the tree. And let's, instead of the flaming sword that God put there, 1,500 years later, God issues a command and instructions to the children of Israel to create a tabernacle. That tabernacle has a veil that is placed there to separate the place that God dwells from the place that sinful man can be. And only one time a year could actually one person enter that holy of holy place. But the rest of the tribes of Israel and all the other people, they had to be separated from it. And it was thus all the way until Jesus dies on the cross. But let's, let's take one real quick look again here. If I was to walk up to that veil, and I, I'm, I am this person here. If I say that I am this person and I walk up to the veil and I want to see the, the tree of life to the other side and I could peek through the little uh, squares, what would I see? I would see this kanji. This kanji is the kanji for trouble. Through the little tiny square in the fabric, I would actually see the word 
trouble. Why am I, I, I realize that I'm in trouble, but I don't really know to what degree I'm in trouble. But if I step over to the other side at, from the tree of life side, which is God's dwelling place, and he walks up to that um, veil and peeks through, and he can peek through, by the way, and he did, he would see what? He would see a criminal, a prisoner. And that's exactly what we are, not by our own definition, but by his definition. It's his word that condemns us. It's his law that condemns us. And in fact, Jesus opens up Isaiah to the place and says, I am here to set the prisoner free. How on earth is he going to do that? How is Jesus going to set the prisoner free? Well, we can use simple, simple kanji parts to show how he does this. Remember when I was saying this morning I came in here and I saw the symbol of a cross? Well, let's just take a look at it this way. This cross actually represents the number 10 in Japanese society today, but it also has this value or this meaning of completeness. When Christ, who is a person, is placed on the cross, what do we have? We end up with a tree. We get this symbol. What does this tree represent? It represents the tree of life. When Jesus dies on the, on the cross, at that moment, what does he say? He's on the cross hanging there. And he breathes his last, and he's saying, it is finished. It's done. It's enough. Jubundes. It's enough. And then he dies. At that moment, from the temple, the, the veil is torn from top to bottom. And now we can actually walk. Where? We can come to the place of rest. We no longer are this man hovering over like this, going, saying, God have mercy on me. God have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. We come to him and we recognize him at this place that he was the one that died on the cross for us and when we do that, we find rest for our souls. The reason why you guys do not have a cross that looks like this out there is because you are saying to all the world and everyone in Tokyo, you're saying that it is complete. It is done. You just have the cross without Christ on it. Why? He is resurrected. He is alive today, interceding on our behalf. And when God, who is angry at sin, looks at us and he sees us through his son, what does he see? He sees us as someone that is valuable and one that is is able to accept the rest that Christ is offering us. I've way gone over my time, but I just really wanted to be able to present that to you guys this morning. Thank you very much for your patience and and listening to my little story here. Thank you very much. <laughs>